Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, let's do this. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome into the Sunday Smash. My man Ira is still up in Boston, and uh, here I am in Tallahassee holding it down. When, when, when do you catch a flight, big guy? I'm not coming back, Jeff. i got a big announcement <laughs> to make. I've decided I like Boston. You like Boston? You understand I do. where I'm coming from? <laughs> I do. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and stay. Gene won't mind. Um, now, flying back this afternoon, my sister lives up here. I'm in her uh her and her husband's palatial estate here up in uh, Belmont, Massachusetts. So uh, hanging out here, I got a later flight back to Tallahassee. So I'll get back late this evening, a little later than I hoped, but I also didn't want to go at six in the morning. So this worked yeah. out pretty good. Yeah. Well, we appreciate everybody joining us and I know it's not, it's normal time. We had some conflicting reasons. One Iris flying back. I've got an engagement this evening. Uh, so there was no way to do the Sunday smash tonight. So we wanted to do it in some capacity. And it's especially true when you think about, uh, how significant that win is. Let's get right to that, Ira. Um, I was I was really proud of the team. I continue to be. I, I, I think there's no longer any uh, question uh, surrounding really the coaching staff and where this thing is headed. I think we know. I, yeah. I, listen, they've got a ways to go. There are a lot of things that are wrong with the team or that are lacking from a personnel standpoint or some things that they can even clean up from a coaching standpoint. But on the whole, I think we see this is upwardly mobile for the first time in years. And I think we can project good things moving forward, not without hiccups, not without losses, not without some things that, you know, the growing pains that we watch. But I think we can clearly see now the ship is headed in the right direction. Yeah, man. And that's the thing, like when you, especially when you have a new coaching staff, they've only been here two years, uh, certainly for the first year and a half of it, you're going to question everything. And whenever a decision goes wrong, you're going to assume, okay, this guy can't coach or this staff can't get it done because you just don't have any track record with them beyond what they did at the previous school. And it was it was pretty similar early in Jimbo Fisher's tenure, yeah. not to the same level. They didn't lose as many games back then. But when, when he made crazy decisions, like in that Virginia game or the North Carolina game or going to NC State or Florida in 2012, some of those games you start to think, man, these guys just don't have it or this staff won't get it done. But coaches get better just like players get better. Coaches make smarter decisions. They get more comfortable with their personnel. They know what guys can can do and handle. And when you think about last year being a COVID year, I really think they came into this year still kind of blind, still trying out different personnel. But since midway through the season, after that 0-4 start, you make some changes in the secondary, 
Not a lot, just a couple of changes in the secondary. You get some continuity and health on the offensive line. You settle in on Jordan Travis. You move past the McKenzie Milton experiment. And suddenly this team really has come together, and now they're playing good football. And like you said, you may not agree with every single decision, but what coaching staff does? I mean, there there are – you know, I think uh, Corey mentioned it last week on Wake Up War Chant. You know, the the you know one of the the Patriots Super Bowl where they, um, you know, try to get a, a goal line stand and oh yeah and, yeah 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 the it ends up working out their their benefit. I mean, there there are no coach is perfect, just like none of us are perfect. So there's going to be things you don't love, but for the most part, man, you you have to love the way they compete. You have to love uh, the game plan they've come up with uh, to put their guys in the best position to succeed. And, uh, you know, we're seeing it now. They've won five of their last seven games. They've won five of their last six with Jordan Travis at quarterback. Um, And the one game they lost was at Clemson in a game they led with three minutes to go. So it's really remarkable. Yeah, they've come a long way. And I I think the one of the things that if you can convince people that what you're trying to get them to do is worthwhile, but it takes sacrifice, takes a commitment level that at times seems – you know, probably a bit more arduous than you would like. And, but if you convince them not to take shortcuts and to follow this path for each other, and you got to get them to buy into it, not, maybe you're selling a concept, maybe you're selling a leadership, maybe you're selling a methodology, but if they buy into it and then own it and they do it for each other, then you see that play out even in the midst of setbacks. And I think this team has shown during this stretch, and thank you very much, Jeremy. We appreciate your contribution. Uh, Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, I think uh, I think during this stretch, when you watch this this team play, like go back to twenty eight fourteen against NC State, like they're they're never not competing. They're always fighting. They're always hitting. They're always playing the next play. They always get off the mat. And so, to me, that sets up everything else. You have the possible uh, upset wins. You have the opportunity to sustain success. You can go on the road as a slight underdog and get a win. You can get absolutely bent over by officials repeatedly and still find ways to have the mental fortitude and toughness to win a football game. And so all of it was on uh, display yesterday. I, I mean, that was a special set of circumstances um, for them to overcome. And I, I just, if you're watching now on YouTube, you're having fun with this, but it was hard to fathom the amount of made up bullshit we were witnessing yesterday. Uh, And yet they overcame all of that and still came up big when they had to and got to stop. They got to stop and uh, they continued to be physical and and play throughout, you know, by the way, Ira, I know you, you probably thought the same thing when you saw it because they were getting, uh, a lot of ticky-tack foul calls and non-existent uh, penalties called, made-up stuff, as I mentioned. Uh, Garrett Thomas didn't wrap up on the sack that he has Jerkovic in because he's afraid he's going to tackle him and they're going to throw a flag. He exactly. literally lets go of him. It, it's crazy. That's what officiating can do. It can make you not want to play, make you decide that you're not going to tackle something. We're playing the game of football, and these officials are trying to make it so that you can't tackle somebody. It, it's remarkable. Now – I will say this, they have got to this offseason. Eric, thanks for the contribution, baby. I see the 26. That's nice. They have got to this offseason. I'm talking about the NCAA. They have got to go back and change the targeting rule. First of all, what they call targeting, I don't agree with ever, hardly ever. Secondly, stop throwing people out of games. 
Stop doing that. It's it's a crime. That's crazy to throw people out of games. And it's a good damn thing it was the first half and not the second half because your back-end guy who gets everybody organized would be out against Florida. Yeah. Now he'll be available. But stop doing that. It's just so wrong. It's crazy. And especially if you can't you can't discern intent. It's it's nuts. Yeah, that was that was rough. Uh and I but I wasn't surprised at all. I wasn't surprised at all. They called it again. Every call that could have gone either way in that game went BC's way. And some of them, as you said, were just – it was almost like – Made it up. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the running into the punter, unnecessary roughness, the, or the punt return on the punt yeah. return, fair catch, he gets blocked into the guy and then barely hits the kid's shoe. I mean, he didn't hit him. He didn't – I mean, I got I've, – I've gotten more hurt tying my shoes than that guy got hurt on that play. I mean, it's just crazy. So, and then the, the pass interference, the one that really got me early on was the Marion Cooper pass interference. Well, the Jordan Wilson offensive pass interference. Yes, was they made it up. Made it then up. Marion Cooper, that play happened right in front of me. BC's press box is pretty low and it's right over the field. And it was right where I'm sitting. And I'm looking right down at Marion Cooper is trying to disengage from the guy to turn around to intercept the pass. Mm-hmm. He's, he's trying to break away from the guy and the guy's holding him and they call him for pass, pass interference. Then, on their late long touchdown in the, the other end zone, the guy clearly pushed off and no call. It's just yeah. – and then the, the uh, false starts on or the legal formations on Darius Washington. I mean, it was just one thing after another. And, and again, the, the only good thing about it is they won the game. The best thing about it is they won the game so we can talk about it. If they had lost, people would – you know, if, as you sound like sour grapes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People sound like right. – no, it's just – it should have been a blowout. BC shouldn't have had a chance to even get back in the game except for you know so many of those calls. Yeah, and it's a it's a weird thing. You can do both, right? You can credit BC. So they made some good halftime adjustments, and I thought they played a much better game in the second half. But it's also true well, that they were aided greatly by the officials. So I think they, we can say both is true. They did play a better game in the second half, but, but that's because the first half was a they, – they did not want to be there. Florida well, State – they got dominated too. They got physically dominated. BC's got a very good and a very experienced offensive line, and they got their ass whipped by Florida yeah. State's defensive front. I mean, just oh, yeah, that's, whipped. That's, oh, yeah, that, that's that's what I'm saying. The adjustments made there to help and chip and do the things that they did yeah. there to, to give themselves a fighting chance is all I'm saying. They, do, they got thoroughly – they had 90 yards. I mean, yes. they did nothing. They did zero. Um their tackles got beat one-on-one on almost every play, which is why, if we're going to continue the discussion about officiating, you have to, and I'm sure Mike Norvell said this, at some point when you go into halftime, okay, so they make their adjustments, they're going to, they're going to help a little bit more. They're going to try to commit to the running game. They're going to do all those things, right, so they can keep Phil from getting killed in this game. But you mean to tell me that there wasn't a single hold? At no point in the second half, 100%. these guys are unblockable an entire yeah. half, and all of a sudden they can't – so nobody's holding? Come on, man. I mean, I'm watching that. I watched every play of that game, uh, stone sober, watched it play by play, wanted to make sure I took it all in, and I'm, I counted at least seven times that you could have e- – lesser times people have been flagged for holding uh, than these seven where it's pretty gross. Also, I, I'm here to tell you – when you watch the replay of the Cooper penalty, it's not hands to the face. Right. You, you've got some problems with this officiating crew deciding to throw throw flags on what they think they see, not what they see, or what they think's about to happen, not what happened, or so, what they think they can justify. Right. I mean, I, right. Again, man, I'm not. I don't know what the motivation was. Maybe it's just playing to the home crowd. Maybe it's just we don't like 
the way Florida State's playing. Maybe Florida State's guys are mouthy and we don't know that. I don't know what it is, but it was ridiculous. And, you know, again, the only good thing is Florida State still came out with a win. And But it also, it does go to illustrate, uh, and I think you were kind of getting to this earlier, that again, it's another sign that this team not being rattled by that, not getting down by that. Uh, I mean, how many times have we seen Florida State in the past succumb to that kind of thing mentally? And you didn't oh, yeah. see that. Other than some guys backing off in some situations, you never saw any kind of defeated attitude. And that was the, that's how they won the game. Yeah, and they, they really hung in there in that second half. When it all starts rolling bad, you're thinking, are we going to get that stop? Um, and the bottom line is, you know, they do get the stop. They get pressure. On that last play, they get pressure as well. Uh, and you get the interception. Uh, yeah, no, I was very pleased. Um, you know, there's there, again, they have room to grow, which is what's exciting. As they get better players in here, they'll be able to execute more of what they want to do on offense. It'll be a little bit more varied. But even within the realm of what they can do, they've gotten uh, really smart in in the way that they create the extra hole, the extra uh, gap. They're very, very imaginative. How about the script to start this game? Yeah, it that was, was that's as good a script as they if we see. It goes back to last year. When that's they what exactly, to, that's yeah. exactly what I thought in the first drive. I was like, all right, here we go. This is 2020 again. Yeah, um, that script was something yesterday with all the motion. Um, they were scheming no guys yeah. wide open, Ira, wide open. It's crazy. You're not supposed to get one on none. You're not supposed to get uh, – they schemed up one on none several and were, times. And they were getting those as the game went on. It's funny. I was sitting next to uh, the scouts that were there. There were five or six NFL scouts there, and I was sitting next to one from the Giants, and we were talking a good bit. He actually used to coach – He's coaching at Notre Dame. He's coached college football before. And uh, as the game went on, he was, like, getting excited for Florida State. Uh, just the fact that he – towards the end, he's like, man, college football needs Florida State to be, be good again. And he's like, I, you know, I coached against Florida State. I've been in administrator schools against Florida State. But, you know, college football needs Florida State good, to be good again. And that game, again, to me, as much as anything, the Miami game was huge. But that game, going on the road in a game where you, you just beat your rival, you're coming back a week later, you have to go on the road, it's late in the season, They they their style kind of meshes with your style, so it's going to be kind of strength versus strength. Both teams want to stop the run, both teams want to run the ball. And to go on the road and win that game, and, and really, like I said, the only reason I harp on the officiating is because it could have been a lopsided win. It could have been a, a yeah. no-doubter, which again speaks to how far this team has come. And again. You know, and, and I write about my three to one that will be posted shortly after this. People can read it at warchant.com. I focus at the beginning a lot on Jordan Travis. His last six games are yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he's playing fantastic football. The last six games he started, as I said, they're five and one. He's had 15 touchdowns rushing and passing and one yeah. interception. And the one interception was the pass against Syracuse, where if K McDonald blocks the guy, it's it's a it's a completion Correct. for a yeah. game. It's not a so, I mean, it, it's, again, nobody's trying to tell you that, you know, he's the next Vince Young or whatever, but he is becoming a very good college quarterback, and he's still got a lot of time to get even better. It's 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 pretty cool. And we want to thank everybody who's been uh, chipping in here. Uh, R. Wilmer, we see you. Um, you know, I, and I'll get to that question in just a second. I want to piggyback off Iris' point. 
good for Jordan. He's worked hard. And this is the kind of kid we thought we were going to get to start the year in terms of a passer. He's becoming a better passer. But also, and this is not to take away from Jordan because he's doing a great job, and it's exciting to watch his growth. But the coaching staff figures out what he is. They have completely figured out what he is, and they put him in great positions. All those rollouts, all the, 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 the when they get him to the side where he's throwing, um, it, it, you notice how many times he's throwing to a wide open guy standing there. It's unbelievable what they're scheming up right now. And it's also because of his legs, obviously, and teams have to respect that. Now, that's a skill set that Jordan has that very few people have to that degree. So as long as Florida state plays from in front or plays with the lead, then you have the opportunity really where defenses have to respect Jordan Travis, uh, and his ability to run, which means you're going to scheme open some receivers as well off of that. They've really, they've really kind of up the ante on what they're capable of uh, from a play calling standpoint. I love the, the, the combination of Dillingham and obviously Mike uh, understanding what Jordan can and can't do, understanding what his strengths are and what he's getting better at understanding what they don't have at wide receiver, but what they can do is really, this is, that's where you've seen the most growth of this offense and it's been fun. And there are more plays there. If Jordan, if I dare say, if Jordan had some special receivers, We'd be seeing some much bigger plays uh, right now. You're just getting what you can out of these guys who are kind of an average bunch. Well, I mean, that's the thing, you know, again, if you look at, if you look ahead to 2022, when this offense lines a year older, you know, Darius Washington, Robert Scott, Maurice Smith are all still redshirt freshmen because of COVID. They're going to be a year older and stronger. Uh, you're going to have Dylan Gibbons back. He'll be a, a fifth, fifth, maybe six year senior, whatever he is. I think fifth yeah. year senior. Uh, you'll bring in somebody else to play guard. Uh, the receiving core, Malik McLean, that was a big catch for him, man, because that was very similar yeah. to the play at the beginning of the season where they threw up to him and he and he didn't come down with it. And he really wasn't making those plays in practice. But that in that situation, they had a free play. And again, that's and again, just talking about Jordan Travis's his pocket presence and awareness, he knew they had a free play on that play. He he yeah. saw the twelfth defender. He knew he had a free play. Let Malik McLean go up and make a play, and the kid did it, and they get the touchdown. That that part to me about Jordan Travis is really cool. And, and you're right. Yeah, the coaching staff's helping him. They've developed him. No question, all of that is true. But he also is settling in as a quarterback. He's moving mm -hmm. around in the pocket. He's buying time for his receivers. He's putting it where they where they need it. Uh, he's not making mistakes. He makes a lot of line checks. Um, he's making a lot of good decisions. Uh, I don't know if you saw the stat. Gene posted the PFF, some of the PFF grades uh, that people can read on, on warchant.com. Uh, BC blitzed Jordan Travis nine times yesterday. He was nine of nine on those passes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, he's doing everything that, he's playing winning football and they haven't had a quarterback to play winning football in a long freaking time. Yeah. Um, Kevin on the chat here just said that Maurice more than any other lineman has to get bigger and stronger this offseason. Yeah. There's no doubt. He has really declined as the year has gone on. He and I, and I don't know if he, and I don't know how much, you know, he's not a huge frame guy. So right. I don't know that he's going to become Rodney Hudson. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're right. that's that's an issue. There's no doubt. It, it, he's getting blown up. Uh, the, the third and one play off the right, I mean, he's in, he's basically the guy that makes the tackle on the running back. I mean, he, yeah. he's, he's, he gets blown up that bad on that play. Uh, but, listen, uh, bottom line is, I mean, you're better with him and without him, I mean, he's, he, he is a, a, an upgrade at center, but I, they've got, he's got to get stronger. There's, there's no, no doubt. Um, but I, I will, okay. What? I was going to say, can we read a couple of these, uh, Gabriel's comment? Yeah. 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 Um, Let's go back. Let's go back. Yeah. Hey, you read it, you read it. hey, Jeff and Ira love all the content you guys do. Bradley gets beat every once in a while, but he is also playing 
uh, the other team's best receivers. He gets a lot of heat, but he's a building block, in my opinion. I love a lot of things about about him. Um, Brownlee is a tough kid. He is very physical. He's able to forget about the last play. You know, whatever play he gets burned on, he's able to play the next play and, and, and really put it behind him. He's not an elite corner. We know that. But I think he's a he's a player that certainly uh, is in the plus category, at least in terms of all the other other stuff he gives you. He blows up any of those wide receiver screens, any of the quick game stuff he's able to be physical with. He just struggles down the field against against upper level uh, talent. Uh, but but, he, that, you know, but to the point Gabriel's making, I mean, he's a fighter, and and that's oh, what yeah. again when you talk about a culture, a personality of a team, he's a fighter, and he's a big reason why they have the personality that they have. Um, again, man, this team, think about the defenses of the last few years, how they just caught blocks and they, oh, yeah, yeah. and they, this team beats blocks. This defense beats blocks. This defense is physical. This defense, uh, competes, you know, there was a play in that game. Uh, I think it was the, I think it was a play where Keir Thomas stopped wrapping up the guy. Yeah. He, and, he slammed his ass to the ground again. Yeah. And, and the, and a receiver got deep behind, uh, I think it was the loach. Yeah. And Deloach realizes, oh, shoot, we don't have a sack. And the guy's running behind me, turns around and flies. And I think it was the same play and, and uh, deflects the pass right before it gets caught. They've had, I don't, they've had a bunch of pass deflections this season where they were trailing the play, ran it down and made the play to deflect the pass. That's, I mean, again, that's effort. That's all that is, is effort and technique. And man, that, 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 that is so different from where this team was. And, and part of it's because of, the the personality and the desire of some of these players. Well, it's kind of what we were talking about, why they were likable to begin with. Like even in, in losses, we saw enough of those moments that you're describing where you would say like, okay, well, they're not a great team. They got a long way to go. They're going to give up some plays. They're going to, you know, they're going to lose some games against the better teams, but they care. They care a lot. They're passionate. They, they fight. They are physical. Uh, there is no more catching blocks. There is no more catching guys on tackles. They come up and hit. Uh, it's a violent team, especially up front. Uh, and some so, of those hits, some of those woo. hits on, on my man Jerkovich. I mean, they were they were trying to knock him out of the game. Uh, well, they beat they beat his ass, Ira. That was a thing of beauty. And I, and the more the refs were trying to cheat Florida State, I was like, keep slamming that kid, keep slamming. They're gonna call it anyhow. Just keep slamming him. Um, I mean, yeah, that kid's tough though. I give him a lot of credit. He yeah. hung in there, and he did. If you think about how many times he stayed on his feet when he was about to be sacked, and just long oh, enough yeah. to throw it away. He made a ton of plays, and uh, yeah, one of them maybe should have been a fumble. And yeah. then uh, our Wilmer uh, said he his question for this upcoming weekend is which officiating crew will be in that dismal place at UF. Um, I'm pretty, I'm 99 positive it'll be an SEC officiating crew. Back when the 2003 game that oh the famous uh, game yeah they they get all upset about the officiating because it was an ACC crew. They switched it then to now going with their home crew. So I'm pretty sure it'll be an SEC crew. Which I always no, man, that's that good. might be better. Yes. Oh, it is better. It is better by far. Anytime we've been had the benefit of playing a game where there's an SEC crew, they let them play football. I mean, the bottom line is that's a more physical league consistently across the board, and I think the officials in that league are better, and they know it. They see it. They let guys play football all the time. I see hits in SEC games that are flagged in the ACC for targeting or unnecessary roughness all the time. They're just a normal hit. They're just like, okay, well, it's football. I mean, we really have – I don't want to go on and on about this, but they got to get rid of that targeting rule. Get rid of it. It, they don't. The refs don't know what they're looking at, and it's enforced improperly. And they seem to assume a t intent well, all the time. The Football's other, a physical game, man. And we can get to Sky Ninja here in a second. But no, man, that's a hundred. The the problem is 
when they put it in, and you remember this, man, we used to go to the ACC in the late Doug Rhodes would talk to us about officiating. And when they put it in, the reason they put targeting in was for player safety, but it was to change the behavior of the players. They they thought if we put in this rule where we're going to, you know, kick you out of a game, the coaches will change the way they teach tackling. The players will change the way they hit. It hasn't worked the way they thought. No, because so many of the players they're hitting are sliding or, you know, so it's not, you're not, there's nowhere for them to go. There's no, there's no way. There was nothing for Jamie Robinson to do in that situation other than like turn into the matrix and, yeah. and go to a different dimension. I mean, he, when you, there was when you, over, you, when you're projecting where a player is going to be, okay. And you're coming up to make a tackle and you, and let's say you begin to lower your shoulder based on where you think he's going to be. If in the last second he decides to slide, there's a good chance your heads are going to collide. That's why you're wearing the helmet. It's why you're wearing a helmet to protect everybody. <laughs> That's the whole point. Our bodies are going the opposite directions. We can't like just keep our head yeah, like, immobilized to where it's not going to have. Well, uh, and also quarterbacks get away with murder. I mean, yeah. they use it to their advantage on the sidelines all the time and, and by calls. They they use they they don't step out and they'll take they'll steal the extra three yards. So if you don't hit them, they did. Remember Jordan Travis against yeah, Syracuse? He, Jordan did it. Yeah. Basically, Syracuse got screwed because of that rule. That kid was so scared to hit him because he thought he'd get flagged. And Jordan's such a good athlete that he just stopped on a dime and went, oh, you're not going to hit me? I'll run another 20 yards. Well, that's screwed Syracuse. But that's all born out of this ridiculous way of officiating games. And if you're a defender, you don't have a chance. That's a huge quarterback, by the way. If he wanted to, he could have lowered his shoulder and probably ran Robinson over. And Robinson knew that. He knew that. I mean, if I'm coming up to hit you and you're 240 pounds and I'm a buck 90, I'm going to go low. Uh, I'm not wearing that beaten. So, yep. uh, you know, that whole situation, that, that that's a that's a bad deal. Seth writes, Robinson being good for the entire UF game is huge, not as flashy, but he's the back-end version of Jermaine and Kier. UF's defense actually tried last night, so this game's going to be a dogfight. I agree. Seth, I watched that game, too, because I really thought Florida – um, you know, if they lost the game, it would be because they gave up a ton of points. Um, their defense didn't bother to show up last week. Missouri can score. They just can't stop anybody. And yet the two teams decided to play to a different MO. They both stopped each other most of the day. Really kind of crazy to watch how that game played out. It was competitive. Both sides cared deeply. Yeah. Neither really could move the ball effectively for prolonged periods of time. So I don't know what to think other than I do think Florida's going to show up. Um, I didn't maybe a week or two ago, but they showed up last night in that game and they lost and I hope it devastated them. And I hope they decide to mail it in, but I don't think they will. And I think we're going to have a dogfight in that game. Yeah, I agree with you, but I also think Florida state's going to play really well. Yes, um, I do. And, I and do that, that that's one more thing I read about in my three, two, one, you know, last week going into this Boston college game, because of the reasons we talked about, we wondered whether or not they could bring forth the effort and the energy and the intensity and the focus after the emotional Miami game, and man, they did it in a hundred percent. That first half was as good a oh, football yeah. as they played uh, all year to the point. Uh, Sky Sky Ninja FSU uh, brings up and thanks to you and Seth and everybody else that's uh, tipped us. Oh, but, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, in all in y'all's opinion, what's the reason we struggle finishing the finish these teams off solidly when we look like we're going to blow out our opponents? I think there's two different things. I think in some games, um, I think it's you know you're you're not a great football team. So other teams right. are going to make plays as well. You're not a dom- – you have to, 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 to dominate a team for four quarters, you've got to be a really, really good football team. Florida State's a, you know, becoming a good football team. I don't think they're at that level yet. But I no. think this Saturday was a game where they could have done that and they probably would have done that 
if without just insane officiating. And again, just be happy it didn't cost you one because I think Florida State was going to knock BC when they went down and scored to go twenty six to three to start the second half. Oh man, if they just get one more stop, that game is over. And the refs were yeah. not going to let that happen. They were not going to let that happen. There was a lot of stuff there, man. That was something to behold. You know, we got some questions on here about the special teams. Ira, I don't know what to think, man. It is amazing. Now, the punt coverage was fantastic. Yeah. And they downed it inside the 15-yard line four different times. So they, they really made it tough on BC uh, in terms of starting field position for much of the game. Um, and so that part of it deserves praise. But good God, they gave up a huge long kickoff return, which sparked the comeback for BC, by the way. That led that, to a short field. I was going to say, that was the one play where I felt like, okay, maybe there's a lapse of focus. Mm -hmm. um, giving up that, that long was a big. That, he gets spot. a big block and hits that hole, and it's not good. We didn't cover it well. There was a couple times there. I, I just, it is maddening. It is maddening. And it doesn't, you know, it just really doesn't make any sense to me um, because we know how hard they work at it. So I think uh, we get back to that thing where when something's not working and you're putting in the requisite time to make it work, uh, then you got to look at your methods. You got to look at what, what it is you're teaching. And that's what self-scouting is. Uh, there's always an aspect of your team that's not where you want it to be. Uh, it's got to get fixed. It can't continue. It's already continued too long. Um, but I do think that that's, I mean, this happens, right? You think about, I don't know, I'll, 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 this is kind of a, a simple way of, of viewing it, but you know, there are people who decide they're going to get in shape and they want to lose weight and they're working out really hard, but they're not losing weight. They're changing their body composition, but they're not losing any weight. Well, you change your diet too. You got to go about how you eat. You know, it's, it's like, there's yeah. some things you got to do. So I know that they rep all day long on these, on the, on how to, you know, cover a kick, return a kick. Well, I think, and I think the, and I, and I do think the, the re two things. One is I think the returning punts will get better when they get better punt returners. Yeah. Number, yeah. number two because to me, that's not coach. Nobody coached Greg Reed to be Greg Reed. Nobody coached Willie Reed to be Willie Reed. Mm -hmm. Those guys were great punt returners. Yeah, special players, yeah. yeah. But the other thing is, I do think, and I, I haven't looked around enough to watch more college football, but I do think these Australian punters are a problem. I, it's funny, man. I was talking to Alex Mastromano, the other, these rugby-style punters. I was talking to Mastromano the other day at practice, and it was just like off to the side. It wasn't during an interview. But I brought up how, you know, how those guys have changed the game. And I wonder, you know, we never would have known what T-Buck would be as a punt returner. We never would have known what, or Greg Reed or any of those guys, because the way and he, he said, he goes, he goes, man, I look back at those statistics and I'm like, how, how much did those punters suck back then? Yeah. And I was like, I was like, well, they actually just, they punted it the way we thought you were supposed punted to punt it, it to the player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's, so it's just, it's gotten so much harder. Um, so that I'll give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, I mean, they, you know, they just they need to get a better return guy. I mean, they, whether it's through the portal, that needs to be a position. Like they don't need to just sign all position players and then figure out who can be a return guy. They need to go sign a return guy because it would change so much about their team this year. I, that's to me, that's the bigger problem. Kick returns haven't been a problem all year. You know, you've had one or two squeak out, but but not having a return guy has been awful. Yeah, and they're really they they look terrible too. When they like, it's not just that they don't make plays there. It's like they look scared. Like I'm always worried they're going to fumble the ball because they look like they're worried they're going to fumble the ball on those, right. when they catch. You're always like everybody's nervous, including the guy that you're watching have to catch that. You can tell he's not yeah. comfortable, and you're like, man, this is not good. That I is need the a guy who's I, assertive. I do think they have made. You know, there's no doubt they've told them that if it's ever in doubt, to make sure you do not lose possession of the ball. So right. I do think that's one thing I would say maybe from a systemic point standpoint is maybe don't preach that so much. 
because I do think they're they're so worried about coming up and fumbling one. Uh, like the other day, there was the, the kickoff that mm-hmm. bounced inside. Of the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was clearly because he didn't want to come up and fumble it. Well, man, letting it bounce isn't a great solution either on a kickoff. Well, definitely not because they can they can yes. recover it. <laughs> so yeah, you gotta you gotta go get the ball. Yeah. I was screaming that at the TV. I'm like, you know, you gotta get that right. <laughs> like that's a live ball, my man. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That made me a little uh, on on edge. Look, they'll get it fixed. I do believe that. I think they'll work at it. They'll do whatever they got to do to get it fixed. In the interim, it's going to be a season where there's some things in special teams that we just didn't do well, period. And there's only one game to play. So uh, we, we can officially say it wasn't good. Well, um, I want to get in I'm, I'm sorry. I want to get back to the one thing about the, the just the way, what we expect this week in, in, in this matchup against Florida. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, Florida, Florida State's not going to walk into Gainesville and Florida just, you know, not try. I mean, probably not. Probably not. We don't know. I mean, we've seen weirder things, but probably not. Not like unless the players are at a point where they were trying to get their coach fired. And who knows? Maybe something will happen on that uh, front before this game, because now Florida is two and six in the SEC this year. They finished two and six in the league. They uh, they've lost five of their last seven games. Florida State has won five of their last seven games. But all that oh, yeah, being they're, said, they're going the opposite directions, my brother. But all that being said, you've already seen the line, and a lot of people watching this have already seen the line. Florida's favored by ten points. Uh, Vegas, I don't know what Vegas is doing there. That is not. Uh, but that's, that's not what you do. But that's got to speak to strictly power ratings. That's got to strict. That's got to that 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 is not taking into account the trajectory of either of those teams. I don't think, or the fact that you know it's the last game of the season. One one team is trying to get to a bowl game. I don't know that Florida really even wants to play in a bowl game. I think they're going to want to beat Florida State because it's Florida State, but I don't know that they're dying to go to a bowl game with everything they've been through. So, um, but I, it may be that Florida is that much better. I mean, we came into the season thinking that was going to be a blowout. Even you know, um, uh, six weeks ago, we thought that game was going to be a blowout. They played right. Alabama down to the wire. I mean, we're thinking Florida State's not going to have a chance in that game. So now that Florida State's playing so much better, they do have a chance. But the disparity in overall talent and depth, Florida still got the edge. That doesn't mean you can't win. You beat Miami, and Miami had an edge in that area. But this will be on the road. So it's going to be a tough – even if they play well, it's not a guaranteed win for sure. I would – you know, it's, I'm leaning towards an under here. Um, I need to go I need to go shop around on those totals. But I could really see this game being a defensive-minded game. I think we're going to have a hard time blocking Florida if they care to be there, if they care to play. And I'm not real sure that uh, Florida's going to block us. Uh, so th- this could be interesting. I mean, both quarterbacks could be under a lot of duress. Um, so, Florida, somebody asked, Florida, somebody yeah. asked, Tom Wharton asked if it's Florida plus 10. No, man, it's <laughs> Florida minus 10. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it is crazy. I saw that Florida minus 10 was the number, and I immediately bet Florida State, by the way. Um, hey, you know, if you, I mean, and if you're Mike Norvell, I know we don't care about the odds and we don't care what anybody else says, but you can damn I'll tell you this when they beat North Carolina as an 18 point underdog, several players tweeted right after the game about being an 18 point underdog. So they'll know this. I mean, this is a good thing for FSU, I think. Yeah, I do too. I like it. I can't, it's, it's blatant disrespect and play the card if you need to, I guess. Right. I mean, bottom line is once the football's kicked off and none of that stuff matters, but yeah, during the week, if you want to, 
dangle that out there and be like, look at the blatant disrespect these people have for you. Um, yeah, it's it's watch that line go the other way though, quickly, because people like me saw that and jumped on Florida State with the quickness. That was uh-huh. like just pound it over and over and over again. It bust in. I uh, I said last week before we played Boston College, uh, sprinkle some money, uh, pizza money on the money line. Just take Florida State straight up. They're the better team right now. You do have to you do have to look for trends. You do have to look at which direction uh, the two teams are going. I will say this. Uh, I want to circle back really quickly to Florida State's impact on on Phil Jerkovich, uh, Jerkovich because I thought early him getting hit several times led to some hesitation where he had some opportunities. This is where just being physical changes the game. He he, he, he was he was he, he was sped up so much. Yep, yep he would not let yep. anything develop he, because of that. There's no doubt in the first half. Um, yeah, you could see it. It was beautiful yeah. to watch. I'm like, oh, he's affected. He's aff- He's been getting hammered. Uh, the other thing about that, too, is he's still not right. And I'm not taking anything away from oh, us. Yeah. Uh, he's clearly not right. He, he I can't actually, get much on the ball. Yeah. No, he doesn't get anything on the ball. That's not the arm we saw early in the season before the injury. Um, and NFL teams are going to care deeply about that and take a good long look on whether or not that's something that's coming around or does he have nerve damage? What are we doing here? Jeff writes, what happens to officials when turned in plays are found to be blatantly wrong? Uh, and then he asked fines. Now they're not fined, but you you can be suspended. You can get fired. Uh, yeah, you get reassigned yeah. to lesser assigned games, to lesser games, uh, less uh, lower profile games, I should say. Uh, you don't get as many important games. Uh, I saw some people post yesterday, Ira. I don't know if it's true that the the head official from the game yesterday was already booted out of the SEC. Uh, we can go back and we can find yeah, out if that's true. I, yeah, I don't know the name. It wasn't a real familiar name to me. It's not a guy that's been. He has not called a lot of FSU games in the past. He's not one of the names we normally see week in and week out. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's basically what happens. You get reprimanded. They get graded. Um, they get graded by the head of officials. And then, you know, you might get dropped at the end of a season. The league might drop you, and then you end up, co- you know, calling games in the AAC or somewhere else. Um, so there are there have, been, there have been suspensions and rare occasions. You know, I don't know if that's what's going to happen in this game. But um, – you know, it's, you know, it's definitely, there are, there are repercussions that we often don't hear about. Um, the one thing I wanted to add on what you were saying about the, um, Jerkovich. Um, yeah, uh, no, it was actually something right before that shoot. My bad. Looking, looking rattled, looking. Um... Oh, no, no. I was just thinking, I think it was just thinking of the Florida game again, the, Oh, that's what I would ask you about. Did you see my man Drinkowitz? The no. Missouri's coach after the, uh, the win with the, what did he do? No, I missed it. it. I didn't see it. No. Last year, Mullen Mullen put on the Darth Vader crap. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, my Eli, after his press conference, he uh, ends the press conference by by saying, May the force be. He puts his hoodie, he's got a hoodie on his jacket, pulls it up over his head, goes, May the force be with you, and pulls out a lightsaber (laughs) and walks out of the room. It's just awesome. (laughs) There it is. Oh, there it is. There it is. We got it. Oh, this is good. I did did not see this. I was actually. Yeah, May the force be with you. <laughs> good for him. I mean, it's oh. it's only so good because it's Mullen. I mean, yeah, it's just, and he's it's, a doofus. And I've been telling everybody who would oh listen for a gosh. long time that he's the biggest, one of the biggest doofuses in football. It's ridiculous. Uh, well, you know, we'll see what's going to happen with him. It does feel like he's not going to survive the season, uh, and it's strange because. All the people that I know, and you know people at the University of Florida, I've, I've got a dear friend who's a Bull Gator. Hell, i got a family member that's a Bull Gator. Stepfather is a UF law grad. 
they, you know, a lot of those guys have not liked him for a while and didn't want him hired. Didn't want him hired. Um, he's he says and does dumb things all the time. That said, he's had a track record of obviously doing a lot with quarterbacks, and sure. there was a stretch there, Florida, where he was doing exactly that. But this has been a weird year for them to watch this just demise, and then somewhere along the way they lost the kids because there is a, there is a inconsistency of effort. You get it one week, then they don't show up at all the next, and then then they do show up, and it you know they don't win. They don't show up the next week. It's really strange. Like that. Think about that LSU game. One coach had been fired. One coach had already been fired. And LSU goes out there and just dominates and runs the same play 15 times for 300 yards, quite literally. Um, so it was, it's just bizarre. That's why it's hard to gauge what this team will be here in this game. Uh, but it is a rivalry game, a very specific rivalry game, an in-state rivalry game. And it is at home. I would, I would have to believe just seeing the garnet and gold take the field with the crowd going nuts that at the very least they're going to, you know, I think, I think in well, any what, rivalry game like that, there's a little bit of a chin check early and then let's see where we're at. You want right. to play? You want to play? Let's go. You know? Well, and, and what's going to be great to see is uh, what I really want to see is how many FSU fans buy tickets to that game? Because yeah. in years past, I mean, we've seen it a lot when Florida state's been down over the last, two or three decades, two decades. They weren't down much before that. But when Florida State's been down at different points in the last two decades, when Tebow is there or whatever, a lot of FSU fans would put their tickets on the secondary market and Gators would buy them up. Yeah. And you'd see a sea of orange yeah. sometimes, huge pockets of orange in Doak when Florida, when it was a foregone conclusion was going to happen in that game. Now, this is not a foregone conclusion, but I have a feeling with Florida losing five of the last seven that there's going to be a lot of UF tickets on the secondary market I'm curious to see if the FSU fans in Tampa and in Orlando and Jacksonville, who always talk about how Florida State, you know, Florida fans have the easy day trip into Gainesville. Correct. How many of them buy up those tickets? It would be cool if Florida State turned that on Florida and you had, you know, I don't know, 20,000 FSU fans at that game. I remember going down. You were at the game. I remember going down, and it's a little bit different set of circumstances, but when, when 2013, when Jameis went down there, I mean, oh, yeah, play, yeah. those people knew the ass beating was about to happen. And it was a glorious thing to look around the stands there, all the garnet, you know, that you could yeah. see throughout that stadium. It was funny because even the Florida fans were normally, well, all fans in the state of Florida, when emboldened are this way. But even the Florida fans outside the stadium just like wouldn't even give you eye contact if you walked past in a garnet gold. They're like, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk <laughs> about it. I'm just here to support my team. We know, we all know what's going to happen here. Let's just, let's just go about our business. You know, it was funny. I don't know. This will be a weird, chippy sort of game early. I do think both sides want to see if the other cares to be, to be there. I know Florida State will care to be there. I know Florida State's looking at that game uh, as as an abundance of opportunity uh, to do the one, one of the more improbable things in a Florida State season that we've ever seen, which is to have perhaps historically the worst loss in your program's history, a moment that seriously has you looking in the mirror for a very long period of time about – what these guys are trying to do and accomplish, what's what's disconnected, what's what's not working. 0-4, staring what many thought could be a two-win season in the face at best, and all of a sudden here they are on the cusp of going to a bowl. And if they win this game, they will have swept their rivals in the state for the year. They will have gained all the momentum in recruiting that you could possibly want, uh, and they will be going to a bowl after starting 0-4. That, that, man, sky's the limit at that point. The, the funny, I was sitting next to, as I said, I was sitting next to some of those scouts and I was talking to them. And that was the, the, the three things they brought up was one, 
as I said, you know, they were glad to see Florida State doing better. The other two were it, what's going to happen to Mullen and what's going to happen in Miami. And uh, I asked one of them, one guy asked about Mullen. And I said, man, the problem is I don't know where he can go in college football. And they're, I don't know if they're, I mean, are they going to be thrilled about paying him a ton of money to go away? And, you know, one, and I said, I guess, the, you know, the one solution would be the NFL. And the one guy was like, well, we don't want him. You know, like, <laughs> like there, there's no, he tried to go to the NFL last year. Nobody yeah, wants he him. Did. He did. He dangled his name out there. Proceeds itself. I actually think that's what started the problems. I mean, when you dangle your name out there and basically tell everybody that would listen, hey, I'll take a job in the league if you want me. Like he's, he's basically telling Florida fans, Florida players, Florida administrators, I don't want to be here. Um, the, the biggest thing is this. I don't think he likes to recruit. That's the bottom line. I just don't think he likes to recruit. And if you cannot be an elite college football coach, if you don't attack recruiting with passion, you have to love it. You have to view it as another part of the competition. You certainly have to view it as an important part of the job. And if you're indifferent about it or you don't like it, or you think it's beneath you, can't coach in college. And I feel like that's, he's reached that place in his life where maybe that's true. I can't say as I blame him, but I'm not in that profession. You know I mean? I don't have to go recruit. What do, what do you, what do you think about uh, Adam Fuller getting to break the rock after the game? I thought it was great, man. Yeah. I think that defense is coming off a long way. He looked like a guy that could potentially be fired uh, after the Jacksonville State game. It almost felt to some degree like it was inevitable. So to see the way that they have fought, gotten better, in position, fewer busts, uh, dominating in some aspects of the game for long stretches at a time, certainly. Good for him, man. That's a good guy. We've both talked to him extensively. I think he knows football. The question, and, and most all these guys know football at a very high level. You couldn't get to where they are if you didn't. Can't fake your way that far along. But the biggest thing is getting your kids to understand what you know and then execute it. Right. And they had a real hard time, uh, for whatever reason, kind of figuring out which kids were all in and understood it and worked hard and were prepared and doing everything you asked of them, and which kids maybe had more talent but weren't bought all in, you know weren't all in and wouldn't execute it. And once they figured out the guys that are going to play hard every play and do what you know and, well, and accept hard coaching and do what you're asking them, they've gotten better. And also have the option to make changes. You know, like last year there were guys that they had to play because they didn't have any other choice mm -hmm. um, for, for a variety mm -hmm. of reasons. I mean, you're in the middle of that roster turnover. They're still in that to some degree. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought, um, you know, the, the performance in that game, uh, you know, uh, BC had three touchdown drives. Two of them started in the plus side of the field because of special teams. Uh, one, the kickoff return, one of the ridiculous punt return penalty. Uh, and then the other one was uh, two or three personal foul calls that, that, mm -hmm. that uh, moved them ahead. So yeah, the defense played really well. And that was the whole thing about Fuller because I had a, you know, just like you, man, I had a ton of people, including former players who were like, man, they got to get rid of this guy. He was at Marshall three years ago. He doesn't need to be at Florida State. And I just felt like the only thing I would always say was if Mike Norvell got his first chance to coach at Florida State, and this is this is who he brought with him. And I know man, he may have wanted Dan Lanning first, but but this at the end of the day, he ended up hiring Adam, Nor Adam uh, Fuller. And for him to do that, I had to think, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. Then becomes the next question to your point. Can he communicate it to the players and then motivate them to play hard? And I had some questions about that last year, especially during 2020, during the COVID year. But, man, it's been cool to watch them, the way they interact with him now on the sidelines, mm -hmm. the way that they go to him for questions and, and talk to him and get feedback from him. And then the way they, you know, you look at the the, the picture that FSU tweeted out on their official account of, of Adam Fuller breaking the rock with a sledgehammer. 
the look on the the players' faces and then to yeah. hear them talk about him after the game, they know how much criticism he got. And they're happy for him. And that's I mean it's big, man. That's why they I mean it's I'm not saying they're playing for him. I think they're playing for each other. Uh, but he's a big part of it too. Yeah, it's players always have to play for each other first, but right. it helps if you really like the guy that is instructing what you do every day in practice and you feel like he cares about you and you feel most importantly like he's putting you in a position to succeed. Yeah. There's the picture right there. It's great. If, if, if I don't know if Matthew could zoom in even closer, but I think that's Marcus Kushney behind him. Yeah. He's, he's kind of got this look like, yo, coach, watch yo. the backswing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that is cool. Uh, I love that picture. And, uh, Actually, like, the guys on the side, like to his left, Stephen Dix doesn't even play anymore. And yeah. he's right up in there celebrating. That's cool. Yeah. Man. Well, I think, you know, I think it's fascinating, by the way, that some of the guys like Stephen Dix, who you just brought up, have learned to accept their role, have understood. Now, he's on special teams. Um, and he's that's still a, a young guy. Yeah. Still well, young guy. yeah. Um, but I just, you know, I don't know. I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm just saying I, he's not. The hips aren't going to get better, Ira, but he, but he, but he's, you know, he's helping you in special teams and he works hard and he's bought into whatever his role is, man. That's salute. I mean, that's, that's hard, man. That's hard. When you, when you come to a place and you're on scholarship and you think you can play and you think you should play and get out there and it doesn't work out. And you started last year. He started as a true freshman. Yeah. It's devastating, right? It's devastating, but to not sulk, Boy, that is the antithesis well, of what we see, you know, most of the time these days. And two other examples of that, and I wrote about it also in my three, two, one, which you'll be able to read later today on Warchant.com, um, is these redemption stories we've seen lately. You know, last week it was Andrew Parchment who yeah. was completely written off. I mean, he wasn't on the depth chart a few weeks ago. Worked mm-hmm. his way back on, has the big catch that sets up the winning touchdown against Miami. This week, it's to me, it's Akeem Dent. You know, Akeem Dent started. Uh, He started games the last two years at different times, a corner and safety, with not great results. Early this year, he started the first two games, gets benched. He only played like 20-something snaps against North Carolina. And at that point, I'm thinking, okay, they've moved on. It's Mm -hmm. going to be Sidney Williams and Jamie Robinson, and Akeem Dent's going to be maybe a dime package guy. And I I wonder if he's going to be a guy who goes into the portal after this year, is a five-star guy who just didn't pan out. And – He's he. They had to go back to him because Sydney got hurt. But these right. last two games have been the best games he's ever played. He played really, really well against Miami. Had big hits. He hasn't missed a tackle in either of these last two games. He had nine tackles in four games. Not excuse right. me, nine, nine missed tackles. Oh in yeah, four games. In these last two games, he hasn't had any missed tackles. He got targeted four times yesterday and, and didn't allow a pass. So again, man, it's another young guy that has gone through you know, been pushed aside, been told you're not good enough right now and work to get back into the rotation and all of that. And all of that's really positive. This has nothing to do with anything, but I thought you should know that while you were making that excellent point about Akeem Dent, and I was also thinking that we probably didn't praise Deloach enough on this broadcast today because he was everywhere and was awesome. I thought you should know um, that something was like poking my left thigh, Ira. And I was like, what is poking my left thigh? So those pants I'm wearing have a zipper on the side here. And I was like, what is in here? What did I leave in here? Like, I thought it might be a golf tee. A syringe? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, I was like, what is it? What is it? But while you were talking very smoothly, I doubt anybody could tell on the video, I reached into my pants, crumpled up, 
$20 bill, buddy. Boom. It was, it was all big time. It was poking right into my leg. This has to be a good a omen for the, Florida, for the Florida game, right? I just no, found a, 20 bucks that I didn't know I had. It was a sign that you, we need to talk about Kalen Deloach. You're right. Number yeah, four that's right. I was like, and, hey, uh, my man Toby uh, just uh, took a shot at me. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. He's like, hey, Ira, did you write a 3 2 one column? You haven't heard about it yet? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, lots, thanks, lots more where that came from, guys, on the uh, three, two, one column and warchant.com, <laughs> where we have all kinds of content and will throughout the uh, holiday week uh, as we build towards Florida State, Florida. Seth, thank you so much. Another sign of hope: the staff can evaluate talent. Everyone harps on how much our team's success is based on transfers this year, but to me, that shows they know players need recruit wins now. Yeah, and and I'm really excited about this class, and I think they're going to sign and and. You know, you can continue to read Michael's stuff on that on warchant.com, but it's looking better and better and better just, you know, on the surface anyhow, and I'll hold my breath when that day comes. But I, I think they're going to sign this class, get the bulk of the class that they wanted, and then from there, uh, you know, obviously you got to get some transfer portal kids in here because you are losing a ton on that defensive line if everybody goes like I think they will. On that, and Kayla Deloach, to your, to your, to your uh, $20 bills point, um, mm -hmm. Man, he is really playing better. I mean, oh, he's, he's playing great. He's he's he is seeing stuff before it happens. He's beating blocks. He's making he's he's diagnosing plays. You can tell he's obviously putting a lot of time in the film room. The safety was awesome. Of course, they didn't call it a safety on the field. Oh, they didn't get it right. Of course, they didn't get it right, buddy. <laughs> Even though the ball never got next close to the goal line, we're gonna we're gonna rule him down at the one yard line. Well, um, I can forgive that one compared to some others, but. Because it happened so bang bang, no, but know, that, that is great but diagnosis, was, great hustle. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, uh, appreciate you, Till Dog. Can we publicly put ACC refs on trial and all that are found guilty of incompetence go in front of a firing squad? I don't want to kill anybody. I just want to fire them. I just seems, want them dismissed. <laughs> seems a little excessive. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, you're no doubt, Kevin. That would get twenty bucks would give me a a, a, a half gallon. Of, uh, I, I still have the Dos Artes, but it's Sunday at noon, and I thought I'd go a little easy here. It's, it's a little <laughs> early. I also have a thing I got to do later today, so yeah. we didn't break out the Dos Artes, although I would have. Hey, did you have any guys for our prize picks this week? So, so by the way, I just want to recap last week, the pick I made right before we went on. I hit it. Yep. I hit my entry. Yeah. Uh, both sides. That was a nice little uh, uh, score for me. Um, but, yeah, this uh, I do have a couple. I One with quarterbacks. I have a, here's man. This is the problem with me is I'm so, I don't watch the NFL as much as you do. So I don't know all the personnel, but I know the quarterbacks. And right. uh, so I, I went, went with the quarterbacks in my uh, little pairing today. I'm taking, uh, I'm going with Tua. I'm taking Tua over the 240.5 against the Jets. Ooh, ooh, okay. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling bullish. I'm uh, looking at Tua today. A little nervous about that. You're not right. so sure, but I'm going nope. with it over 240.5. Okay. And then uh, I'm going the other way with Aaron Rodgers. I'm going under 260.5 against the Vikings. You may okay. not like either of these. but Well. But that's uh, go, that's my favorite. No, you're all right there. That's solid. I like that you did it. Uh, I, I've got uh, Kirk Cousins going over 255, but I, I'll tell you this. Uh, you and I, I – one thing I'll say, if you're going to do prize picks, which is an awesome thing to do, it's easy to figure out, guys, if you haven't done it yet. We just did it right there in front of you. Ira just I'm did getting, it. I'm getting but, killed. I'm getting killed, Tom Ortner. Yeah. Why, why, I, yeah. why all this? I'm getting – Well, I'm getting, you got you to gotta look – we're at the time of year where weather is a big deal. Um, and if you're going to go play in a place that's cold and windy with an average arm – 
All it takes. All it takes. Is, we'll run after the catch. We'll run after the catch. With those dynamic uh, dolphin receivers. But no, he's killing me because I only put 10 bucks on it. Hey, man, look, we're not all high rollers like uh, Big Daddy Jeff over here. Uh, Big Daddy Jay's put <laughs> some of us, some of us just like the entertainment. You know, we're yeah. not trying to, you know, we've got kids in college trying yeah. to be responsible. You know, I've saying. got. I'm gonna. Uh, I've got some some prize picks in. One of them may have been the opposite of what you did uh, in in a particular game. But hey, that's all right. Each to their own. Just do your research, everybody. And then I've got a bunch of uh, other stuff that I'm doing this weekend on the NFL, which I never usually do. So we'll see if we can cash it in. It'll be fun. They're they're doing. Uh, yeah. So in prize picks, as we said, th- uh, thanks for sponsoring us. And they have this uh, deposit match. So if you do deposit, put in a deposit. Uh, they'll give a hundred percent match if you use the code Warchant. And uh, so hey, listen, guys, do, if if you're inclined to gamble, if that's your cup of tea, if you're a sporting guy or gal, like I like to say, uh, no joke, try the Prize Picks. It's really easy and it's diversified. You, it's really fun. It's not hard to do at all, especially Thanks, if you're smoke. kind of a neophyte. Yeah. Thanks, smoke. Uh, <laughs> no unit shaming. <laughs> I appreciate that. I believe in I believe in that in all phases of of life. <laughs> Let's just, let's just oh, there. smoke that is too good no unit shaming is well done yes yes anyhow it's a lot of fun the prize picks things is and it's easy to master i mean you may not win every time because it's gambling but uh have some fun with it test it out and they've been great sponsors for us and like ira just said they'll they'll match your deposit so uh good stuff just make sure you use that warchant code uh it comes back and looks favorably upon us and and maybe they'll continue to sponsor us as we move forward with the with the uh, sunday smash hey guys we're wrapping it up now i want to go before kickoff at one o'clock and uh you all do too you can enjoy the football i'm can I, sure can i answer one last one real quick sure jonathan jonathan morris asked how much of a difference has coach randy shannon made i do think randy shannon's been a big help to this team i really think it was a good addition um again last week we heard he really really was into that win over miami um so that was going to help us in recruiting i think down the line he definitely is helping recruiting and the the one thing i was going to say on that's exactly where i was going to go when fsu had those youth clinics down in south florida last summer and i went down and covered them randy shannon was like the president at all those youth clinics all the parents all the parents of all the youth players Mm -hmm. they they didn't know who mike norvell was they crowded around randy shannon and that's and all the high school coaches down there the saint thomas coach, coaches came out they went right to randy shannon uh him giving his blessing i really hope he stays part of this program next year i, I don't know it was a one-year contract he's an analyst if somebody offers him a job as a defensive coordinator uh, i don't know that he can stay here we'll see what happens uh, i don't know what his goals are but i really think he's been a big help to the staff and you got to give him a lot of credit for accepting that role is as, as an advisor uh when he's called the shots, he's been a head coach in DC at all these different schools. So yeah, man, it's like, uh, he stays in the game, makes him some 30 grand or something like that. And then let's see if it uh, piggybacks into something, maybe slightly yeah. more than that. Not much. Yeah. But I would, but I would say this, there may be a spot on this staff for him. Right. I mean, I'm not, I don't know what's going to happen, but it wouldn't be shocking if not everybody returned on the defensive yeah. side of the ball. That's all I'm saying. So we'll see. It should be fun. Hey, listen, I always enjoy this. Uh, thanks guys for making time for us at noon today. Uh, and because of the prior engagements Ira and I have for this evening, but uh, safe travels, Ira. Good job, Matthew, as always. And to each and every one of you who watched it, we appreciate it. Be well, enjoy the football. We'll talk again uh, next week. And don't forget to check warchant.com for all the best content. And then of course, three, two, one all week long as well. Three, two, one. Three, two, one's coming. Three, two, one's coming tomorrow. Make sure you lock it into the Jeff Cameron show from one to three here on Warchant TV. Be good, everybody.